0: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Would you do me a favor? Would you take out the worship bulletin? Let's go over some announcements. Man, that got me fired up. That response. Good job. Before we get into those, Jim Maurer wanted me to express his appreciation for the cards and the contacts with the passing of his, his brother. Um, Let's not stop though, right? Let's continue the prayers for the family because it's a, it's a change in life, right? And there, there's gonna be birthdays that come up, holidays that come up, and when somebody passes, we want to, we want to constantly remember them and those changes. You know, I know, like you, my, with my dad passing, um, something will just remind you, you know, and take you to that place. So, so Jim, we love you, we love your family, um, we're sorry. For your loss, and, uh, and, and and anybody that has experienced a loss, we remember that, and and we're here for you if you need anything. Please let us know. All right. Um, so, can I can I just say how appreciative I am of this church? Yeah, of the prayers, um, of the giving. Uh, we raised over $500 for Abigail Ministry with those bottles that we collected, right? Um, we're, we're given $500 to support a family who has six kids. One of them had kidney failure and cannot take care of themselves. And they have five kids in school and they're trying to pay for everything. So we're going to help out that single mom. You know, your giving enables us to be the hands and feet Of Christ when you call somebody when you send somebody a card when you reach out to them you know you're being the hands and feet of Christ please continue to do that Um, you know we're gonna blow our benevolence fund with this I know though that you guys will will fill that right back up so that we can help people so I just want to say thank you for for doing all that every time that we need something right we reach out and you guys respond Um, we're gonna have a funeral uh, showing in here today and then a funeral tomorrow. Our ladies, um, Shirley Jones' granddaughter, Amber Conley, passed away. Um, man, we're praying for your family, right? Reach out to them. Uh, we're, gonna have a, we're gonna supply the funeral dinner. Uh, good sized family, right? Um, so if you can help out with sides or desserts, I think that's what they need right now, Carol. So Carol and Becky head up our, our dinners um, and I would not want that, that 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 ministry, but you guys do an awesome job. So if you can help out with desserts or sides, would you please see them today? Because that's tomorrow. Tomorrow at one o'clock, um, and the, the funeral will be here as well. And I, I want to say thank you to our sound team. Our sound team's coming in tonight. We're going to be here for five hours. We're splitting it up. I think Nathan's taking the first shift. Lee's taking the second shift. I'm going to take the third shift. And then we've got to be here Monday, too, for the funeral, too. So Man, you, you guys just respond and respond and respond and, um, because you care about people. And that's what we're here for. We're, we're here. We're here to care about people and we're here to tell them the truth about Jesus Christ. Right? If you need anything, reach out and, and let us know. All right. So there's a couple ways that you can, you can help us out. Um, and I think that's it. We're, we're going to, of course, be praying for Afghanistan today. Doug's going to lead us in that during our prayer time. I, I heard this, I heard this uh, saying, and I love it, the church is like a nail. The harder you hit us, the deeper we grow. The harder you hit us, the deeper we go. The enemy we've been talking about, man, last week lined up exactly what's going on in Afghanistan with what we preached and talked about. And I, I know the harder that you hit us, the deeper we go because the deeper that we become dependent on Jesus Christ right? We're not that deep as a church in America because we're not getting hit. All right? But our brothers and sisters around the world, they're facing death, they're facing jail, they're facing unspeakable acts against their family, right? And all they have is Jesus Christ. And that's why the church is exploding in those areas like Iran. Right? The number one fastest growing church, Iran. The mosques are empty in Iran. The people have been exposed. The, the enemy has been exposed there, and the people realize there is, there is nothing in Islam. And they're finding Jesus Christ. The women in Iran are leading the church of Jesus Christ there. The women who Sharia law says, hey, you can't go out by yourself. Hey, you can't speak unless you're spoken to. Hey, you... And, Like, you go out in public and you're a woman alone, you can be beat. You speak to a man without being spoken to, you can be beat. I mean, it's horrible over there. The enemy's being exposed, though. And these women are finding freedom in Jesus Christ, man. they're finding a, a Savior who loves them and who gives them all that freedom. And the church is exploding over there. Church is like a nail. The harder you hit it, the deeper we go, Right? Would you stand with me and pray? School's starting back up. We want to lift our teachers up and pray for them. So at the back of each side, you're going to find this list of all the, all the teachers, all the aides, all the custodians, all the workers in our school system. Would you take one of these home and pray for them? You know, let, let's lift these people up, right? Right? All right, and a reminder, too, last thing before we pray. We're going to do a baptism service next week. Today, after church, I want to talk to the people if you're interested in being baptized. Listen, if you've made the commitment to Christ, if you're saved, you should be baptized. You don't have to be baptized, but you are called to be baptized. I don't care what age you are, you're called to that. So if you have not been baptized, you are a follower of Jesus Christ, stay after and see if it's a commitment that you want to make. We'll explain what baptism is and kind of go through that, probably take 20 minutes after church, all right? And then next Sunday night, we're going to get together, we're going to baptize some people, and we're going to have communion out at Holiday Lakes, the East Beach. We'll tell you more about that next week. But let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being able to openly worship. Lord, don't let us take that for granted. Father, thank you for this nation that allows that, Lord. I pray that against the direction we're heading, though, Lord, I pray that we would begin to once again honor you and give you the glory and honor that you're due. Yes. Father, Lord, be with this time, be with this service. Father, I pray that you'd be with the, the praise team. Help us to lead, the, help, us, help them to lead us in worship. Help them to point us towards you. Lord, we pray for the, the sermon and the message. Lord, we don't want to hear what any man says. We want to hear straight from you. So, Holy Spirit, come. You have right away. Soften our hearts. Open our eyes and our ears to what you'd have to say. Transform us to look more like you, to be that salt and light in this world that is so dark right now. Lord, we give you all praise. We give you all honor. We're here to give glory to you and you alone. Praise you. Father, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray, amen. Revelation 14. Revelation 14. You turn in your Bibles as you're turning there. Uh, I will tell you that we had a, a time of prayer for the Afghan church this morning. And if you would like to pray after this service, Adria would love to join you in that. I'm going to be doing the, the uh, baptism thing. But uh, seek Adria out and she will join you. All right. So last two weeks, we have been, been in what is referred to as the interlude, it's almost like God is saying, "I'm going to show them what's really going on behind the scenes, so that they understand the world a little bit better, so they understand why the world is the way it is." Week one, we talked about there is an enemy that we have. Right? John describes it as a dragon. We're not weird. We don't think it's a really a dragon that we're fighting, but we know that that is meant to be just an image, a symbol of the enemy. We believe there's an enemy. We don't believe it's a dragon. That's just what John uses in prophetic imagery, all right? Uh, We see the efforts of the enemy. We see him getting defeated three times and thrown down to this earth, and then he starts to wage the war against this earth. We see his schemes. We saw them. We talked about them. We talked about how we defeat those schemes. Last week, we talked about the other two beasts that join him. We don't believe there are two beasts that are actually joining him, right? They represent something. though. We're talking about manipulated political power. We see how some nations come against Christianity. Some governments come against Christianity to try to kill people, right? We see manipulated religion. And how that happens. We're seeing that play out right now in Afghanistan. Their goal, though, is ultimately to get people to worship somebody other than the one true God. They want them to either worship them or they want them to worship political power or they want them to worship uh, anything else but Jesus Christ and our, and our God. Um, they, they threaten them with death. They threaten Christians with persecution Right or they get people totally dependent on the government so that the government becomes their source of hope. Oh, who's going to save us? Who's going to help us out? Let's turn to the government. And that is a form of worship, right? All right, so timing of last week's sermon just really hit me with what's going on in Afghanistan, hit me hard. I mean, we're seeing the beasts wage war in Afghanistan, all right? And we need to be on our, on our knees praying for these people that are left there, that are going to be persecuted, that are being persecuted, that are being already put to death or will be put to death or put into prison. We want to stand by our brothers and sisters. And as, as Doug pointed out, it's not the least we can do is pray. The most we can do is pray, right? We wage war in an eternal realm, and we want to pray for God's hand to be there, right? All right. So uh, my friends, you and I need to realize that there is a war going on here though, right? Along with the other places, there is a war going on here. The dragon wants us to think that there is no war just because we are not really persecuted. He wants us to think that there is no battle. He wants us to remain ignorant. He wants us to remain asleep. He, He wants us to he wants to prevent us from getting involved in this war. He doesn't want us praying. He doesn't want us in our word. That's why when you go to pick up the Bible, your mind starts going in 50 different directions. When you start to pray, right, you start to think about something else. Your mind wanders. That is the enemy attacking you on those moments. That's why when you pick up this word, you're like, man, this is like boring. I don't get it. That's the enemy, right? But if you push through, this will be some of the most exciting things that you can read. It will change your life if you push through and you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. There is a war that's going on. We cannot remain uninvolved. The church in America is asleep. We need to wake up. Revelation sounds the alarm. There is a battle. We must join in with it. The interlude exposes everything that's going on that we can't see. It exposes the war and calls us to fight. To be indifferent is to be on the side of the dragon. It's like if we were in Nazi Germany and, and, the, and the government shut down the churches and the, and the Christians just sat by and watched as people are exterminated and we did nothing to stop that. That's what it's like if we do not get in this fight. We're called to fight. We need to be involved. Revelation 14, we're going to start with verse six. Revelation 14, verse 6. We're going to be looking at three angels, and we're going to see how we get involved in this fight. All right? Revelation 14:6. Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language and people. that should sound familiar, right? He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. All right, first angel. what's, What's he doing? He goes out with what? The eternal gospel to proclaim to every nation, tribe, and tongue to all the people. This is something that we understand. This is something that you have to get. You have to get this, all right? We have have to understand that the sharing of the gospel does not rest on our power. We participate in it, but it is God who is doing it. It is God who is speaking to people. We don't have to rely on us. We just have to join in with it. We have to join in with what God is doing. He does the heavy lifting. God is sending out the eternal gospel to every man, woman, and child in every nation and every tongue. It is being preached. What does this look like? There are reports where people are seeing dreams and visions of Jesus Christ right now. There are many reports in countries all over the earth. I heard about this story from this pastor in Sweden that I've just recently started watching. He was talking about this 25-year-old Muslim man that immigrated to Sweden or came to Sweden. He was living in a city about an hour north of his church. This Muslim man had this experience where every night he was dreaming the same dream. In this dream, he saw this big auditorium with thousands of people, and they were all standing in there with their hands raised like this right now this guy didn't know anything about christianity didn't know anything about a christian church right he couldn't relate to what he was seeing in this vision so he's trying to process this dream why am i having the same dream over and over and over and what am i seeing who are these people and why are their hands raised like that so he goes into the streets and starts asking people randomly if the pastor said if you know anything about the People in Sweden, they're very much introverted and they do not like to talk to people. So he gets nowhere with them. So he starts thinking and he's like, man, well, all right, what should I do? So he says, well, this is in a large auditorium. Maybe I should go to the capital city. Maybe I should go to Stockholm and try to find this place. So he gets on the train, all right? And he starts riding this train to Stockholm. Now the, the stop right before Stockholm is actually where this pastor's church is at but he goes past it. He gets into the city, first stop in Stockholm, stops to get out. He sees a man he's never seen before. The man comes up to him. He goes, sir, you need to go back one station. You missed your stop. You need to go back. And he's like, kind of confused. Who is this guy? What's going on here? Right. But he listens. And so he travels back one station, back to this station before. All Right. And so he gets out. First person he sees, he goes up to and he says, hey, Do you you know any place where there's a big auditorium and there's a bunch of people standing with their hands like this? And the guy goes, oh, yeah, that's, that's Word of Life Church. And so he gives them the directions, and he goes to that church. It's Saturday night, and there just happens to be a service going on, a worship service. He steps in the church, and it's the exact same place that he saw in his dream, the exact same balcony, the exact same color scheme. The stage is the same, and the people are worshiping God, right? And the very first message when the pastor gets up there to pray, to talk to the people, the very first thing he hears is, maybe you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ. And he proceeds to give the good news, the gospel. This man responds and accepts Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Amen? My friends, this is the effort that our God goes to reach people. This is the effort that That the angel that we see proclaiming the good news, the gospel message, he gives dreams. The number of Muslims dreaming about Jesus right now is amazing. I believe that first guy that he met in Stockholm had to be an angel. Hey, go back one stop. How else could anybody know that? It was either that or somebody who was faithful to the Holy Spirit's leading. And he just happens to show up at the right time. What we need to know is that when God asks you to do something when this holy spirit asks you to speak to somebody right It's not on your strength. It's not on your power. It's not on you. Man, God is working on that person. God is proclaiming the good news to that person, right? We're just called to be a part of it. So many people shrink back from talking to people because they're scared. I don't know what to say. I'm not gonna have all the right words. I'm not smart enough. I don't know this well enough. No, you just have to be faithful to what God calls you to do. The way we get into this fight As we follow the Holy Spirit's leading. And we do what he calls us to do. That's what we do. It's not on us. It's not on our strength. It's not about your wisdom. It's not about convincing somebody to follow Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit's already working on that person. It's just about you being faithful and being willing to speak. Will you do that? Will you do what he asks you to do? So this is point number one in how we, follow, how we fight. We follow the Holy Spirit. It's not with our own strength, not with our own wisdom. It's just with our willingness to be obedient to what God calls us to do. Remember the story that Don told us about the person who, who God spoke? Hey, you need to go give that guy a hug. You remember that? And they did that and how that changed that person. Don't make it difficult. Don't make it more than it is. Just follow the Holy Spirit's leading. Prayer is a key to this, though, because when you are praying, you are talking to God. When you are talking to God, you are also listening to God. And that's when you hear those moments of what God wants you to do. You have to be in prayer. Pray without ceasing, right? That puts you in the perfect position to hear from God. What if you prayer walked your neighborhood? What if you got together with somebody and walked your community and you prayed for each and every house in that community that you passed by? What if you just happened to have some random encounter with somebody and they're like, what are you doing here? Uh, uh, we care about this community, so we're praying for it. What if they were wondering, does God even care? And what if they had that enhanced encounter with you? Don't be too busy. We're too busy, aren't we? We're too busy. Don't be What if we went to our work and dared to see it as a battlefield? Dared to ask people, hey, how are you doing? And when they told us we dared to pray with them, can I pray for you about that right here, right now? What if we did that? What if we showed them that we are cared, we do care about them? I know this might be a little bit weird, but can I pray for you? Right, you can say that. They can say, no, that's okay. All right, do you mind if I pray for you by myself? You know, I have rarely had somebody reject prayer. Pray for him. Don't be too busy. For too busy, we'll be too busy to join in with what God is doing. We know who we're up against, right? Can I remind you of who you partner with, who is for you, who is at work right now? The God of the universe. And he's just calling you to partner with him. He does the heavy lifting. Look for it in every conversation that you have. When you're at the gas pump and somebody just happens to talk to you, man, pray right then and there, God, lead this conversation in the direction that you'd have it and just be faithful to it. Angel two, all right, this, gets, this is shocking. A second angel followed and said, "'Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, "'which made all the nations drink "'the, mag- the maddening wine of her sexual immorality.'" what in the world is that talking about? <laughs> right? All right. It looks, it sounds a little bit weird, but to the church hearing this for the first time, they are talking about Rome. Babylon represents Rome to them. The angel goes out and proclaims Babylon or Rome has fallen, which would have been weird for them to hear because Rome was, was not in any jeopardy of falling at this time politically. Right? So, what's happening here? The key is with the drunkenness and sexual immorality. The angel is exposing the lies of Rome. He's calling people to wake up to it. He's calling people to wake up to this, to this drunkenness, to this sexual immorality. Is our nation dealing with a whole bunch of sexual weird things? Right? Yeah. Here's the thing you know, that stuff seems good. That stuff seems fun to party, right? But it gets old. It gets old. The night time you're cleaning puke out from in between your toes, right? It gets old. This way of life that grips so many people in the end has so many different bad consequences. How many people OD? How many people are trapped in in bondage to alcohol? How many people get in trouble with with sexual immorality, right? Here's the thing, though. The Holy Spirit speaks to them and calls them out of it. People begin to wake up, man. How many times, how many of you went through a partying phase, right? But you woke up to the Spirit begins to wake people up to the choices that they make and just the brokenness that results from it that's what we see we see the brokenness that results from it i've experienced the brokenness man my father was an alcoholic for so many years and i saw what came from that three marriages two that failed right one that was destroyed i saw that what happened to my brothers and sisters who had to, who had to live with him Nothing but brokenness comes from that. We're not prudes. We don't say, man, don't quit drinking, you know, and stuff like that. We just know what happens as a result of this kind of lifestyle, and we care about people. We want people to wake up from that. So here's battle, here's battle plan number two. When people start to wake up, when people start to realize there's nothing in this lifestyle that's of any good, there's nothing good that comes of it, that's when we move in with grace and truth. That's when we come in and we encourage people in this situation. We're we're not going to beep on people at this time, right? No, no, no. We're we're here to tell them, man, there's a totally different way to live. We give our testimony because many of us live that life. We can say, man, yeah, I've been where you were, and that was just crap. There's no good that came from that. And this is what Christ did in my life. He gave me a new life, right? He gave me a new reason for living, and it is the most exciting, amazing thing ever. This is the picture of baptism, right? Baptism, public symbol, public testimony to what God has done in our lives, right? It's a picture of salvation. Hey, I was on this path. I was on this path going this direction, then I ran into the grace of God. And it totally changed my life. And I said, man, I want that. I'm all in. I want to live for you. And I made that declaration to live for you. It was like I was born again. That's what it is. It's like you're born again. We see people partying, and they look like they're having the greatest time, but God knows it's empty. It's empty in the end. And he says, Babylon has fallen, and he starts to wake them up to that truth. And he shows them this life is nothing but brokenness and there is a better way. He asks us to join in though and come in with our testimony and tell what God has done in our lives to these people, right? Are we willing to share a testimony? When's the last time you shared your testimony? Have you ever? We need to get into the fight, we need to get into the battle. We need to tell people about what happened to us when we encountered God's grace, what he did in our life. It's not hard to do, right? Nothing that we're being talking about is hard to do. We come alongside him. We partner with him. And we just tell people about what God has done in our lives. This is the grace that God showed me. He forgave me. Man, I've done a lot of bad things in my life, right? But it's like I've never sinned when when it comes to God's grace. How freeing is that? How awesome is that? Man, there's no condemnation there. Babylon has fallen. When you see all the craziness in our culture, all the things getting twisted, right? You're tempted to want to wage war against those people, speak out against those people. But you've got to remember, they're just in bondage. They're in bondage to the beast. They're in bondage to the enemy. And it's up to us to help them, to help free them with the word of our testimony, with God preaching into their lives right they've been lied to they've been lied to they've been lied to and said man this is good this is where it's at this is fun but it grows old god's proclaiming to these very people this way of life has nothing for you because he cares about these people and we have to come alongside and let them know that it's the truth and what god can do watch for that opportunity Watch for that opportunity. Pray for that opportunity that only Christ can provide. All right, number one, we we partner with sharing the good good news. We simply do what he asks us to do, even if it's weird, right? We are weird people. Number two, we share a testimony, what God has done in our lives. Once again, these aren't hard things to do. Verse 9 third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anybody worships the beast in its image and receives this mark, we talked about that last week, on their forehead or on their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb, and, they will smoke, and the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There will be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast in its image or for anyone who receives the mark of its name this calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of god who keep his commands and remain faithful to jesus this last line we remember when when the enemy comes us to comes up to us and and says take the mark in other words reject christ right it calls for patient endurance it calls for faithfulness you know think about the people who are facing this right now in afghanistan that's what we need to pray for them strength endurance Faithfulness. All right. What about the rest of this, though? The rest of this is a picture of hell. It's a picture of God's wrath. Hell is a difficult passage to talk about. If I could take one thing out of the Bible, that would be it, right? But it's in there, it's real. We can't shy away from it. The world says, How can a loving God pour out his wrath on people? That's what the world says. How can a loving God pour out its wrath in people? But think about this. The more you love something, the more you love someone, the more potential you have for wrath. Is that the truth, right? I love my wife and kids. You love your family, right? And if somebody harms them, will not your potential for wrath come out, be poured out? If you reject Christ, you join the side of the dragon. You join in with the enemy in his endeavors. You wage war against God's children. You deceive God's children. You, you join in with that person who seeks to destroy God's children. You don't think you'll face his wrath? You will. Here's the thing that we need to realize, though God gives us what we want, it's our decision, it's our choice. He reaches out to everyone. We just saw that. The eternal gospel goes out to every person, right? He calls his church to to endeavor in that. God reaches out to everyone. Everyone has a choice. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world, he died for everyone, right? And anyone that believes in him will be saved. John 3.17, I love it even probably more than John 3.16. It says that God didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save it. Right. But here's the thing, John 3:19. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. They think it's better. They think it's more fun. They don't want to submit to God, and so they reject him. And he says, "Okay. It breaks my heart, but I'll give you what you want." Depart from me, depart from me, the source of all goodness. When you reject God, you reject all goodness for eternity. I I don't know if hell is really about fire and smoke, I don't, that could just be imagery, but here's what I do know about hell, right? Hell is the absence of God, hell is the absence of any goodness. Is that a place where you wanna spend eternity? I know it's a place filled with great regret here's what you need to know no one stands under the wrath of god except those who reject god's mercy it is available for everyone you want to talk about god's not fair god is not fair because he offers mercy to everyone no matter what they've done they don't have to earn it you don't have to earn it right you just have to accept it it's available for everyone it's our choice though to accept it Or reject it. If you don't want to have anything to do with Him, He gives you exactly what you want eternal separation from Him. I know people that have rejected Christ, and it motivates me to pray harder. It motivates me to live a better witness, right? It motivates me to pray for opportunities to talk to those people, to be the best example, to show Christ and His goodness to them. Because eternity's at stake. We fight by joining this angel and telling people about the consequences of sin and by warning people about the wrath of God. It's not popular, right? You're gonna be a prude, you're gonna be a weirdo, but it's better than the alternative, it's better than never telling that person that you care about the truth. I don't, want to, I don't want them to wonder why I never told them. My friend, you're on a path that leads to destruction and I care about you too much. not warn you about that yeah they might reject it they might unfriend you but isn't that better than the alternative i wouldn't lead with this right with somebody you know i wouldn't just go up to somebody and tell them that i'm going to develop that relationship with them i'm going to get to a place where i earn the right to tell them that i'm going to follow the holy spirit's leading if he tells me to tell them that though Three angels, I don't know about you, but I experienced all three of these angels in my life. First angel, presents the good news of the gospel. I got that. There are people that joined in with that and spoke that truth to me. Second one, hey, the way you're living isn't going to work. Yeah, had some people talk to me about that. There's a better way. I got that, right? I heard people's testimonies that confirm that. Number three, you're under God's wrath unless you accept His grace. Man, I remember I was eight years old when I got that message from a preacher. I realized that. And I came up to the altar and I found God's grace and forgiveness for that. We're all sinners. Let's not pretend that we're not. Some of you are like really bad sinners, right? Compared to me. Just kidding. But we know that. We know what we deserve. But there's also God's grace. And when you find that, it is one of the most freeing, amazing things ever. I experienced all those things. And I know I'm not the only one because the Bible says the harvest is ripe. The harvest is ripe. Everyone hears these messages, if not from us, at least from God, from the Holy Spirit. Everyone across this whole entire globe is hearing this. Do you remember what Jesus said about the harvest though? The harvest is ripe, people are hearing, people are ready, but what? The workers are few. The workers in America are sleeping. The workers in America are indifferent. The workers in America don't care, the majority. That can't be us, that can't be this church. There's two harvests described in this passage. The first one in 14 through 16. I'm not going to read it. But this is the picture of Jesus gathering his people. Those who put their faith and trust in him from every nation, tribe, and tongue. I want to focus on the second harvest, though. Verse 17. Another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. Still another angel who had charge of the fire came from the altar and called in a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle. Take your sharp sickle and gather the cluster of grapes from the earth's vine, because its grapes are ripe. The angel swung his sickle on the earth, gathered its grapes, and threw them into the great winepress of God's wrath. They were trampled in the winepress outside the city and blood and flowed bud flowed out of the press rising as high as a horse's bridle about four feet tall for a distance of 1600 stadia which is about 200 miles all right a little confusing right what in the world's going on here let's take it and break it down first this isn't jesus swinging the sickle right he swung the first one this angel this is another angel this angel has the authority over fire what does fire represent Nine out of ten times, it represents the presence and power of God. You remember a burning bush that was not consumed, a burning bush which God spoke to Moses through it, and God delivered his people out of slavery, right? And then there was a pillar of fire that led God's people into the promised land. And then we see tongues of fire fall on the church, and the church is born, right? That's what I want you to think of, about with, with fire. This is the picture of the authority of God. Go Go gather the cluster of grapes. What's the vine of the earth? What do the grapes represent? They represent us. They represent the church, right? I hope you remember that from the branch life. This is where we're talking about the church. The vine of the earth always represents the people of God. Jesus says this in John 15, I am the true vine, you are the branches. Abide in me and you will bear much fruit, right? So go harvest the grapes, us. Throw them into the winepress of God's wrath. Uh-oh, right? Right? They were trampled, Uh uh-oh again, but where were they trampled? Outside the city. What would be the significance of outside the city? You have to go back and think about the first people that this was written to and what they would have thought. They would have remembered the parable where the son of the vineyard was killed outside of the city. They would remember that it was Jesus who was crucified outside of the city this harvest described is Jesus on the cross the wrath of god's wine press being poured out on us but really poured out on him in our place for all mankind what's all this blood mentioned it's just a sign that says a simple reminder that says there's enough blood for all of us to pay for all of us for each and every one of us, four feet high, 200 miles wide, 200 miles with the length of ancient Palestine. There's enough blood to cover Palestine. There's enough blood to cover this world, each and every one of us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My friends, don't reject God's grace. Some of you in here right now might be under God's wrath, but God's grace is available. He died for you. He loves you. He wants to he wants you to have a relationship with him but it's your choice you have to make that accept his gift of mercy and grace and i guarantee you it'll change your life though forever if you already did that can you just be reminded that christ's death on the cross paid for your sins fully absorbed god's wrath for you so now you are free You are clean, you are declared righteous, you have right standing before the God of the universe, right? You are no longer condemned, no matter what, if you put your faith and trust in him. First century church facing persecution, facing death, would have heard this and this would have energized them to not fear death, not fear God's wrath. Jesus is saying, I got you, you're secure, This would embolden them to preach the good news, to share the good news, to give their testimonies. Hear me, there is enough blood for you. I am no longer under God's wrath. I am under his mercy. That's why I want to live for Christ. That's why I want to worship him. That motivates me to worship him. That's why I want to tell other people about him because I've experienced this and it is the most freeing, amazing thing ever. That should motivate us to share the good news. That should motivate us to be willing to look stupid to other people, to be ridiculed by other people. Yeah, you do this, you're gonna have that, right? The world is gonna hate you. But man, isn't it worth it if one person comes to faith? I guarantee you. Verse 1, then I looked and there before me was a Lamb standing out Mount Zion and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of rushing water and like a loud peal of thunder. The sound I heard was like that of a harpist playing their harps and they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. These are those who did not defile themselves. They follow the lamb wherever he goes. They were purchased from a man, among mankind and offered as firstfruits to God and the lamb. No lie was found in their mouths. They are blameless. 144,000. Just the number of completeness, right? Just the number of completeness. It just represents all of us. All of us are in this picture who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ I love this too. What's the first thing that John sees? He sees the lamb standing on Mount Zion. This version of Christ, it's not the lion, right? Standing victorious on Mount Zion. How does Jesus destroy the dragon? How does Jesus win the battle? Not as the lion, as the lamb. Who does what? Who takes away the sin of the world. This is a sign, my friends. This is a sign of the way we fight. I want to wage war like the dragon does. I want to fight politics with politics. I want to fight false religion with religion. It's just what comes natural to me. It's what comes natural to a lot of believers. But hear me, though. It's not how we fight. It's not our main way of fighting it's not we're called to fight like the lamb not like the lion we're called not to love our life too much we're called to lay our life down we aren't aren't we supposed to pick up our cross that's how we win that's how we fight we partner with the lamb oh the lion is coming the lion is coming jesus is coming back right to end everything but until that happens we fight like the lion, we f- like the lamb, we fight alongside the lamb. Some of us put all our energy into fighting like the dragon and we're missing out. It doesn't help. Have you won somebody to Christ doing that? Have you seriously won somebody to Christ doing that? We don't use this weapons. No, put away your sword, Peter, right? That's what I want to do. I want to grab the sword. I want to I physically hurt somebody. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to lay down our lives. We're called to pray for those who persecute us. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the power of our testimony. We endure. We remain faithful. We don't love our life too much. Man, there's people in here, there's Christians that want to fight, but you're not willing to share the good news. You're not willing to share your testimony. God, forgive us. God, forgive us. We're willing to get into it with politics, but we're not willing to share the good news in our testimony. We're not fighting. We're missing it. We're missing the point. What's going to change this nation? People will give their lives to Jesus Christ more than anything else. That's what we should be fighting for. That should be our focus. Winning souls. I don't even like that, winning souls. Partnering with the Lamb to see people come to know Jesus Christ. That's what changes things. That's how how Rome was defeated. The Israelites didn't pick up swords and defeat Rome. They didn't do it through politics. They did it through this. How, how, is, how is the nation of Iran right now losing to women who Islam says as is nothing? God's using what man sees as weak to defeat them through changed lives, through the gospel, through the good news. That's how we fight. We testify. We evangelize. My friends, we've got to get busy. We've got to quit hiding. We've got to be bold. We've got to not be ashamed to speak. We can't shrink away when the God of the universe tells us to talk to our friends about Jesus Christ. Shame on us. Don't you dare say you're a fighter if you ain't willing to do that. Let's be bold. Let's strive. Let's strive to speak to people, to share the good news. Let's strive to find opportunities to share our testimony. Let's let's even tell people About the wrath that awaits them. But let's not forget grace and mercy. Would you stand with me? The harvest is ripe, but the workers are few. That's what you're called to, church. That's what you're called to. To share the good news. To share your testimony. That's what it's about. That's how we take back this nation. That's how we take back this community. That's how we fight. Are you willing to be obedient to what he calls you to do? Pray for those opportunities, my friends. Pray for those opportunities. He will give them to you. They will be the craziest thing. Somebody will come up to you and say, hey, uh, I know you know know about this Jesus Christ. Uh, Just thinking about it, how can I accept him? I guarantee you, pray for those opportunities. Weird things will happen. Just be faithful with it. Let him do the heavy lifting. It's not on you. You don't have to be smart enough. If it was on me for being smart enough, forget it. It's the Holy Spirit leading It's the Holy Spirit we partner with. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, I pray that you would give us an opportunity this very week to start a conversation about you, Lord, to start a relationship that will lead to us having the ability to testify to what you're already telling them, to what you're already putting on their heart, Lord. Help us to realize who we partner with, who's inside of us. You are, Lord. You empower us. You direct our paths. Help us not to be too busy. Help us not to be too preoccupied. Help us not to be indifferent and and to be jaded. Help us to have soft hearts. Help us to see people not as the enemy, but people who are in bondage to the enemy. Lord, give us an opportunity to witness. Give us an opportunity to proclaim you. Lord, we love you, and we give you all praise. In your name we pray. Amen.